Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. If you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm 19. In verse 14. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The lesson this morning is titled, What Will You Believe? What will you believe? In conversations with a friend not too long ago, he mentioned that one of the greatest weapons that Satan has is the ability to deceive. There's a long list of doubts, of uncertainties, of questions um, that, that Satan leads us to think, to consider, and even to believe more often than not about the way that we should go, about the way that we should live, about who we should be. And in fact, what is truth around us? Satan so often warps and taints to his ways. Let's turn over, keep your finger there, and and Psalm will come back to Psalm at the end of the lesson this morning. But turn over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus was not one to mince words. A lot of times he spoke in parables, and the parables had a deep meaning. But when necessary, he would cut to the chase. He would call a spade a spade. He would say what was truth in no uncertain terms. And John chapter 8 and verse 44 is just one of those clear instances. He was speaking to the religious leaders of the time those who believe themselves spiritual heirs of Abraham, of the descendants of Abraham who had the keys to truth and the keys to knowledge that were so important. And yet Jesus says to them in verse 44, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. That's bad enough. Calling their their parent the devil. But he continues describing Satan. He says, He was a murderer, from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. What does that mean? When he says he was a murderer from the beginning, what does that mean? We can go back to the story in Genesis, in chapter 3 of Genesis, and we see Adam and Eve in the garden. What does Satan tell to Eve about the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? What does Satan convince Eve that's the truth about that fruit? God simply said, if you eat of it, you will die. A very simple command. All of us look back and think, how easy is it to follow that? Don't eat the fruit. 
And yet Satan approached Eve and convinced her that not only was it good to eat, it was desirous. And it would make her like God. In fact, that's the promise that Satan gave to to Eve at the beginning. Eat of the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will be like God. And that deception, that very promise that he made to Eve, was in fact the first murderer. As Jesus says here, he was a murderer from the beginning. Now, what does that mean that he physically killed Eve? Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, Eve's physical demise was due to that sin that Eve committed there by taking the fruit. But the murderer that's even more condemning is the spiritual sacrifice, the spiritual separation that Eve and Adam suffered because they disobeyed God. That separation from God that they had enjoyed up until that point in the Garden of Eden was instant and was, unfortunately, until Christ came, irrevocable. And it's Christ's sacrifice that only now can we rejoin as we had been in the beginning. So while Jesus calls the religious leaders of his day children of Satan, ultimately deceivers, there are many ways that we can understand what deception is. At the end of the Gospel of John, if you're still there, an analogy that we can draw is the very last verse of the Gospel according to John. And it reads, And there were also many other things which Jesus did, which, if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. And I would contend that today we can understand the same thing about the deceptions that Satan gives us, about the deceptions that Satan leads us to believe. If they were written down in detail, in fact, today they do fill the world. Because the world around us is convinced in the lies that Satan has led us to believe. And yet we are called to understand, to recognize, and to resist those temptations, those lies, those deceptions that Satan has given to us. What are some other ways to understand deception? Some other words and synonyms? We frequently think of of being false. As Jesus here was calling the, the religious leaders false, because they were not children of their God, but children of the Satan. But they are also, synonyms are pretending, imagining that what is true is really not true. There are also selfishness. Deception is often leads to doing what you want to do. As Eve looked at the fruit after Satan had promised her you will be like God, she found it enticing. She found it wanting to eat a beautiful fruit that she would just pluck from the tree and so easily partake of. But ultimately, we see that the deception that Satan leads us to is, in fact, darkness and is a contrast with the light that God has promised and has given to us. And ultimately, the deception that Satan leads us to so often believe will result in our separation from God, in our division from God that we look to eternal condemnation if we are not found with him. So the opposites of these deceptions are truth, honesty, sincerity, light, and ultimately life. And in fact, love is the embodiment of that life that, he, that Christ has brought to us. So we've seen that, that Satan is out to get, get us. And the example that Adam and Eve has given to us is the first example of so many that we see in Scripture. 
Satan, in fact, says that he was a murderer from the beginning. He deceived the first couple, and he continues even now to deceive us each and every day. In Acts chapter 5, we see that Ananias lied to the Spirit, lied to God about what he was bringing, about the offering that he was bringing. And it cost him his physical life, but ultimately it cost him his spiritual life as well. But even Jesus himself was not immune to deception, was not immune to the temptation to believe things other than they really were. And in fact, we see that's the approach that Satan made after Jesus had fasted for 40 days. He comes off the mountain and Satan is there to greet him and to say three simple temptations, very simple messages to make him believe something that wasn't the truth. Their first was change the stones to bread. You can imagine after 40 days of fasting that you would be very hungry. And how simple it would have been for Christ to change stones into bread. He has bodily needs. He has physical needs for nourishment, for sustenance. And yet what is, God, what is Christ's response? That we must live by the word of God and by the word of God alone. So Satan realizes if Christ is going to quote scripture, so can I. So the next temptation that Satan brings is he quotes scripture and he says, angels will protect you if you fall from the temple. Your foot will not touch a stone. And yet, what is Christ's response? Again, from Scripture, you shall not put God to the test. And finally, Satan says, all you need to do is bow a knee. Bow a knee to me, and everything that you see in this world will be yours, and will be yours for the taking. And again, Christ responds with quotation from Scripture, saying, you shall worship the God alone, and him only shall you worship. So the deceptions, the temptations that Satan had brought to, to Christ, trying to make him break his connection with his father, trying to accept the world as his dominion, trying to accept that any little thing that he does, God was going to take care of him. Let's put God to the test every time Christ responds with Scripture. But we look at Christ's temptation, we realize that he was able to withstand the temptation that Satan has made to him. But what are the consequences of us when we fall short? We've already seen that Adam and Eve, when they took of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they, they suffered a separation from God, both spiritually and physically. They were kicked out of the garden, and there was an angel put at the entrance to the garden to protect the garden from them from coming back. So they were eternally ejected from the Garden of Eden. We realize that temptation is not sin, that we are all tempted. What is sin is when we fall in that response to the temptation. When we answer Satan that we believe what he has told us. When we believe the deception that he is making us, leading us to, to accept. When we do that, that is when we fall short. Christ himself was able to resist that temptation, to recognize what is truth and what is reality, what is the life that he has to live versus the life that Satan had to offer. And there's no comparison. So we realize that accepting that temptation, of falling to that temptation, of accepting the lies that Satan has given to us is a separation that we have from God. It is, in fact, as the description is, outer darkness of where we will land, where we will be if we are not faithful to God. In fact, that outer darkness is an eternal destruction that we will suffer. 
we see even that Peter himself was not immune to the temptation. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Two verses starting in verse 31. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. Christ himself says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail for you. And once, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. How wonderful a thing it is to imagine Jesus praying for us. And in fact, Jesus prayed that Satan, Satan's temptation of Peter would be resisted and that Peter would remain faithful. But we see that the response is up to Peter. Jesus is not going to make Peter accept or refuse the temptation that Satan brings. Just like each one of us, we have the opportunity to make our own choices, to make our own way. We are not forced into following or not following what Satan would offer to us. So we see that there are so many instances in the world around us that Satan has lied to us. That Satan makes us want to believe something that isn't true. We just have to look... Every day we see hundreds of examples of where that is the case. Where Satan just says, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what's in your heart. It really matters just what you do. Jesus said, no, it's not just what you do. It's what's in your heart. If you're unfaithful, you're unfaithful in your heart first. And then you're unfaithful in physical ways. If you lie, you lie first in your heart. And then you lie with your lips. The lies that we have, the deceptions that we fall to, start inside and ultimately are, are manifested in what we say and what we do to the people around us. It seems such a despairing way to see so much temptation. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Sin that so easily entangles us, ensnares us. It is. It's easy to fall to temptation. It sees so many examples of where people so easily say, Yes, I'll believe the lie that Satan is telling me. Yes, I'll choose to do wrong when I know there's a better way, a right way. I'll choose the wrong way because it's easier. It feels better. It's more self-gratifying. It's more immediate. And yet all of those lies Satan would have you to believe are fleeting. And they don't last in eternity. So what hope do we have? What promises do we have that Jesus is going to protect us, that God is going to watch over us and help us in times of temptation? How do we know that we're going to be like Simon, that Jesus is going to pray for us, that we will resist that temptation, that we will stand up to the lies of the devil? Well, let's turn back over to the Gospel according to John in chapter 8. Gospel of John, chapter 8. Verses 31 and 32, John chapter 8. A passage that so many of us know, know by heart. We've learned since we were children. We recognize it. We hear it. But how often do we really take to heart the words that Jesus is speaking? In verse 31 and 32, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In the Garden of Eden, 
Adam and Eve looked at the fruit. And what they thought was that fruit is freedom. That fruit is knowledge. That fruit is more than what I have today. It's being like God. And that is the deception that they fell to. That is the lie that they believed. How many times does Satan lie to us that same way today and promise us things that can never come true? If, if Jesus had kneeled to Satan, all of the world would have been promised to, to Jesus. But God has said that the world here will be burned up. That this world will not exist forever. And the promise that Satan has made to him is only temporary. It's only fleeting. And the cost of following that, of succumbing to that temptation, is eternal. So we see here that if you know, you will know the truth. And that the truth will make you free. It will make you free from those temptations. It will make you free from believing the lie that Satan would have you to believe. It would free you from the deception, from the deceit that what Satan is. So the hope that we have is that Jesus has promised us that we will know the truth. But how do we know that truth? Well, let's turn over to chapter 14 and verse 6. Staying in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Again, another famous passage that many of us know by heart. John 14, 6. How do we know the truth? How do we know the way? How do we know what real life is? How do we discern what truth, what real truth is? How do we recognize the deceptions that Satan has given to us? Very simply, Jesus promises and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. All of the other religions that are out there in the world that promise you heaven, that promise you eternal rewards, Unless they go through Jesus and they don't, it's a lie. It's not the truth. The truth that we have is right here in the word of God. It's the scripture that God has given to us. It's the words that Jesus has spoken. And it's the stories and the, the accounts that we have in the scriptures that we have today. It's the word of God that he has given to us. That is the way that we have to Christ. And the way to Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now let's turn over to 1 John. We often study and we recognize the passages from the gospel according to John. But how often do we look at the letters that John has written, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John? Let's start in 1st John chapter 1. 1st John chapter 1. We're looking at the hope that we have, the hope of followers of Christ who recognize the truth that he has brought, the way that he is to eternal life, and the gift that he has given to us. Let's start in verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's go back to the scripture we heard a few minutes ago. Who is the father of all lies? Satan is the father of all lies. He was a liar from the beginning, and he is a liar today. He will continue to be a liar as long as he exists. And so we see here that we need to confess our sins. If we say we don't have sins, what does that do? Are we lying? No, it says we make him a liar. And he cannot lie. So that truth cannot be real. The lie that he would have us to believe, that Satan would have us to believe, is that we don't need to confess our sins. We don't need to reflect on our lives, on our actions, on our words, on our thoughts. We don't need to worry about any of that. It's all passing. It's all going to be gone before long anyway. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Satan would have us to believe, no sweat. You're fine just the way you are. You don't have to worry about it. And yet we see here, if we are faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. And that forgiveness is only if we are faithful in confessing them. So let's turn over to the next chapter, in chapter 2 and verse 1. So we see, in fact, here that the faithfulness that he has is ultimately bound in who he is. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So what's the mark of somebody who is telling the truth, who is being truthful, and says, I have come to know him? By keeping his commandments. A very simple uh, admonition. We need to keep his commitments. If we say we love him, if we say we follow him, and we don't keep his commitments, we are lying. And we are not telling the truth. So let's turn over a couple more chapters to see, in fact, what we have to look forward to. And what we need to do as his children. Chapter 4 and verse 20. 1 John 4 and verse 20. Is it enough to say that we love God? Is it enough to say, even if we have in our heart that we love God and we are truthful about that, is that enough? Is that sufficient? If it doesn't guide our actions and our thoughts and our intentions towards our brother, then no, it's not enough. And in fact, in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 20 and 21, we see that if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother. He is a liar. For one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he cannot love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So if we say we love God in our hearts, and yet we don't show that love to our brothers and our sisters, then that is a lie. And we are lying to ourselves and we are lying to God. So what else do we need to believe about what God has given to us? Let's turn over one more chapter. Chapter 5 in verse, 1 John. Verses 10 and 10 through 12. 1 John 5 verses 10 through 12. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this. That God has given us eternal life. 
And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. What did we read about Jesus himself when he spoke earlier? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God himself re-emphasizes that truth that we have here. That only through his Son can we have life. And without his Son, we cannot have life. So we see that the Son is life. It's a direct correlation. Let's turn over to the next letter. Second letter of John. A single chapter. Let's look at a couple of passages. Start at verse 6. We're talking about one who's loved God. We see that we have to love God and our brothers. We cannot do one without the other. In verse 6 of 2 John. And this is love. That we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning. That you should walk in it. So the commandments that God has given to us, the the ordinances that we have, the word that he has given to us, that is love, that we follow those commands, that we follow the word that God has given to us. And yet we see that Satan continues to be successful in causing us to fall short and causing us to believe those lies and those deceptions that would make us turn from God. That would make us hate our fellow brothers, even though we continue to say we love God. That would make us fall into believing the lie. And in fact, in the next couple of verses, we see 2 John chapter 1 and verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, this is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves. That you do not lose what we have accomplished. That you may receive a full reward. So what the letter is commanding the reader to, to realize is, if we are faithful, if we stay faithful, if we realize the truth that God has given to us, and don't fall for the lies that Satan has caused us, has brought to us, wanting us to believe, if we remain faithful to God, he will remain faithful to us. And yet remaining faithful to him is more than just saying in our hearts. It's more even than just loving our brothers and sisters. It's doing his commandments. It's following his word, and it's doing his will. But we can see that we can lose our reward, that even though we begin with it, we can let it fall away by our choices, by our actions, by our falling to the deception that Satan would have us to believe. So we must recognize that Satan is bringing deceptions. He wants us to believe a lie. We must realize that we are apt to fall to that lie. We are apt to believe in the reality that we see around us. And we are apt to believe and put hope into what we see. And yet, that is exactly what Satan would have us to believe. But God has told us that the hope that you have is only in his son. And his son is the only way that you can have eternal life. It's the only source of hope that we have. Not what we see around us and not the lies that Satan would have us to believe. We must realize that the word of God, the word that he has given to us, is the only way to eternal salvation. So we recognize that that Satan has caused us to look at these lies, to consider them as truth. And if we continue to use his word, and as we read in Psalm 19 and verse 4, let's turn back there one more time. Psalm 19 and verse 4. 
14, excuse me, 19 and 14. We realize that the only way to accept and to recognize the truth is to have it in our hearts, to realize that the word of God is truth and that what this world offers to us is a lie. And yet that truth that we have, how often do we let it be overcome by the effects of this world, by the temptations of this world, by the thoughts of this world, by the joys and the pleasures that we have? In fact, those are all deceptions that Satan would have us to believe, and they would cause us to fall short. But keeping the words of God in our heart is the way to defend your life and mine against those temptations, to realize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can go to the Father except through him. And so as we go through the next week, the next month, the next year, the rest of our lives, however long that might be, let's take a few minutes to memorize Psalm chapter 19 and verse 14. Let's memorize that and put it on our heart. Meditate on it. When you have quiet time, when you realize that Satan so often comes up to you, he whispers in your ear. It's not always a direct affront. Satan is often looking at how we can fall, how most easily he can deceive us and trick us into believing a lie. Whenever that is, whether it's loud or soft, we have to be on the defense and on the preparation to guard against it. And doing so is keeping God's word on our heart. So again, Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As we go through this next week, let's meditate on that verse Let's meditate on the word of God and what has for us and the promises of eternal life that we have through his sacrifice. If you have not put Christ on in baptism, if you have not realized the eternal life that his blood has given to you, has made available to you, this is a great opportunity. You may not have another to put him on in baptism, to wash away the sins that so easily entangle us, the sins that cause us to fall short, the lies that Satan has given to us that we've believed. We can stop believing them. And we can realize what the eternal truth is. The truth that God has given to us through his son. And the sacrifice of his son has given us the opportunity for eternal life through cleansing blood that washes away our sins. If you have not put him on in baptism, this is the time to do so. If you have fallen short, if Satan has entangled you, if the sins of this world have come up upon you, and you need the prayers of your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ for you, to help you overcome those, to realize the deceit that you may have bought into, of the lies that you have made accepted. Put those away, and we are here to help you, whatever it might be. Won't you come as we stay and sing?